Hi, I'm Jeff Dewing, and this is Doing the Opposite Business Disruptors. I'm absolutely honoured today to welcome my guest, who I've heard speak many times at various events. Mandy Hickson, who was the first female fast jet pilot in her tornado squadron, carrying out various sorties in the Iraq no-fly zone in the height of the war. Welcome, Mandy. Hi, Jeff. What an absolute pleasure it is to be able to join you here today. So, Mandy, um, in the spirit of the podcast, I'm really excited to hear um, your example or examples of how you have done the opposite, changed the game or been disruptive in your career or life. I think it's a really good question, actually. And having read your book as well, Jeff, you know, I know that you've certainly done that quite a few times in your life as well. I think one of the biggest ones for myself was when I was trying to join the Air Force. So as a young girl, I'd always wanted to join the Air Force. And then in my time at university, they basically changed the rules, which firstly allowed women to become pilots on the front line of fast jet operations. And up to that point, that had not existed. So I applied to join and... I then failed all of the computer-based aptitude tests. And you are allowed to take these twice in your lifetime, only twice. So I waited a year, I reset them all again, and then I failed them all again. So now we're at this absolute, you know, brick wall in front of me. I can apparently go no further on my quest to become um, a fast jet pilot. But that's when actually I had somebody that really believed in me in the form of the boss of a club I joined at university, the University Air Squadron. And when we looked into it, and with his encouragement, he really empowered me to say, hold on a minute, Mandy, you're a really good pilot in the air. Why are you failing these aptitude tests? And so we started to look into it to challenge the system, to challenge the entire recruiting pro- program for the uh, Royal Air Force. And after some examination, we found out that about 70% of women that were taking these tests were failing them, compared to about 70% of men that were passing and he started to point out to them that maybe there was some unconscious bias within their system and might they might need to actually look at their program or their process of recruiting pilots and certainly these computer-based aptitude tests and so it was this moment for myself whereby I was then offered a commission to become wait for this an air traffic controller and I didn't want to do that job but in the back of my mind I just kept on thinking it's a foot in the door you know sometimes you have got to take that leap of faith to actually you know get some traction on the route that you want to take and I was really hopeful though that I would make you know be able to change the Air Force's mind and I joined the Air Force as an air traffic controller and I wrote hundreds of letters to anybody that would hear my case and I think I just wore them down or I bored them senseless and I finally got a letter back just basically saying we'd like to offer you this branch change to pilot. And I was like, yes, I've broken their system. <laughs> and then it basically said, we're taking you on to test case. We'd like to see how far through the flying training system someone with no aptitude can get before they fail. And I'm there sort of reading this thinking, hold on a minute, I'm being given the opportunity of a lifetime at being told in a small print, you probably won't make it. Yeah. And it was one of those real moments for myself where I thought I can either let this be the fire in my belly or... I can let it plant the seed of imposter syndrome. And I'll be honest, it did a little bit of both, you know, because that took a lot to come back from to realize that, you know, you have been given this chance, but you might not succeed. But it also went on subsequently for the Air Force to really look at their um, computer-based aptitude tests. And after much examination, they realized there was unconscious bias and they then eventually changed the system. And 
once I'd reached the front line, I'd been flying the tornado over in Iraq and I was invited back to um, College Cranwell to the officers' aircrew and selection centre and they basically asked me to do the aptitude tests again on these new ones and it was the most right. stressful thing. I actually think I preferred to be shot at in Iraq than I had doing these tests again <laughs> because I now just thought if I fail them, I'm just rubbish. Um, yeah. But fortunately, I passed. Um, right. but it just shows, you know, if we accept the, the status quo, if we just accept what we're told, then we never get change. And I think, yeah. you know, for, yes, I was lucky I had someone that believed in me. But, you know, much yeah. like yourself, Jeff, you know, you have challenged, you've pushed, and therefore yeah. things change as a consequence. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, listen to that little story. I think it's, um, you know, that's clearly disruption in its purest form because, um, but having said that, as you said yourself, you know, one of the things comes down to um, tenacity, desire, passion, because you could have quite easily said, look, they're just setting me up to fail. I'm not going to give them the pleasure. Yeah. Um, but you didn't. You powered through, and I think you know that's that's exactly what it's about. If you're passionate enough about something, then then yeah, you should go for it, and you should not you know not let anything stop you. So yeah, that's a, that's fantastic. So what about um, you know? Obviously, you've then gone through, and you've you've flown these planes over Iraq, and um, you've had some nerves. Um, you know, I was nervous the other day when I saw um, Arsenal only one new up, but I don't think I had the same <laughs> nerves as you might have had at uh, forty thousand feet. Yeah. No, exactly. And yeah, I mean, then obviously I had a, well, I really enjoyed my career. Um, I was just thinking actually, though, you know, of another really poignant moment for myself within my career, whereby I felt like I was at an absolute crossroads. And it was actually post children. And I think, you know, for any women that have looked at going back to work post having had children, you know, or a career break of any sort, I think this would be really relevant, you know, to share as well. Now, this was the Air Force you know, 18 years ago. So this is not the Air Force now. I just want to put that as a caveat because what we have seen with our military is huge changes. And I think, mm. you know, I would proud to be saying that perhaps some of those have become, you know, been put into place because of, you know, people like myself going through. But I had done my first tour, um, which is about three and a half years for myself on the tornado. And then I got pregnant and I had two children in very, very quick succession on what's called a ground tour. So I consider that a very successful ground tour. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I didn't spend much time in the office and I basically just yeah. <laughs> a lot of babies. Clearly. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so I had two children, 17 months apart, and then I was looking at going back to work and I contacted my posting officer um, who looks after your career and I said, oh, look, this is me. I've got a 17-month-old and a one-month-old baby you know, what job would be my next role? And he said, well, Mandy, you have to go back to the front line. So if you ever want to be promoted in the Air Force, you have got to do a fast check tour again, which was fair enough. You know, they've invested yeah. a lot of money. But if you don't go back to the front line, the other option is that we could post you to RAF Valley in Anglesey in Wales. Now, I was living in Winchester, which for anyone that doesn't know, it's near the south coast. And Basically, Anglesey is North Wales, about yeah. a six to seven hour journey. I did it many times yeah. through training. And my husband lived down here. We had a house together by now. He was a, as an airline pilot flying out of Gatwick. So he wasn't in a position that he could just up sticks and move up to Anglesey with me. And so as I considered my options, I thought, if I do basically go up to Anglesey, I'm going to be a single mum equivalent. I'm going to have to get a full time au pair. Um, or nanny and I'm ba barely going to see my husband and it's going to be a pretty tough existence. Mm. So I looked at other options and I found another job that was um, 
uh, it was based at Boscombe which is near Salisbury, which was half an hour from home. It had to be a tornado pilot that fulfilled the role. But basically, when I suggested this job, I was told that if I took the job, I would never be promoted in the Air Force. Wow. So now I've got this huge crossroads in my life where I think if I do choose to take this job the ground tour at Boscombe Down I'm never going to be promoted and I felt in some ways that I was my hands were tied Mm. and I wrote again many many letters pointing out you know there were other options why did it have to be so black and white but in those days the Air Force was a case of you have to have done this and you have to have done that and if you haven't done you're not promoted Um, so in some ways I felt I gave up on a career but I kept a job and that was for my last five years. But I think that a lot of people will resonate with that post coming back, post children, where we do feel that we can't necessarily come back in it straight to way the level we were before, because actually our lives have changed and we have of other course, yeah. um, responsibilities. And, mm. you know, two children under the age of two is a fairly full time job in itself. And I did not want to be a fast jet pilot going out to Afghanistan at that point and just mm. leaving them with. Of course not who knows who. Um, And so, yeah, it was a really tough, that was a really tough call, but I feel, Mm. I still look back and I sort of feel a level of disappointment that I didn't manage to pursue, you know, promotion within the air force in my time in the air force really for that reason. Yeah. Which when you look back on it, I guess if you look at today, when we've just gone through this trauma of COVID, which nobody had any idea what that was going to do. If you look at how that's affected lives, business, people, I mean, we're in this world where I never forget when we started our business, we would never dream of offering solutions to part-time workers. It was all about, no, I want you here full-time, yeah. you've got to be around us, it's all part of the buzz. And yet now, our attitude has completely reversed. So, you know, we've got, as you can imagine, there's obviously as a big business, we've got women that are coming through and they're getting pregnant and getting married and stuff. And um, we've got about nine or 10 women that have come back from maternity, some sooner than others, and they're coming back for a day a week or they're coming back for three hours for two days. And there are no barriers. There yeah. are not, oh no, the, the, these are your options. The, the barriers are, life is about, I'll get the best out of you when you can manage your life the best way you know how with the most happiness. So, yeah. and that's how I'm going to get the best out of you. So suddenly all these rules that we thought were the right rules at the time, we've now learned we're all the wrong rules. Yeah. Um, and now you can empower people and then they become their best selves and give you 110% of themselves. And that's the difference. Of course they do. And actually, uh, you know, I've worked with you in the past, Jeff, and that's one thing that I've absolutely loved with your business and the structure yeah. is that you really do feel like you empower the people, that you listen to what they actually say. And as you say, if you're giving them what they want, they are going to pay you tenfold back by being, you know, absolutely dedicated and give you that 110%, as you say. Yeah. And again, well, I guess one of the things I've learned through this this life, this career and, and the people that I've met, which I've learned hugely from, um, is that ability. And you know, I've always I've always said this in a personal way, and a lot of people haven't always agreed with me, but I've always said there's no such thing as work life balance. There's only life. You choose how you're gonna run it. Yeah. Um and and if you love what you do, you will never work a day in your life. But again, the reason that, that is true for me because I've always been very disruptive and always make those things happen. But a lot of people have been constrained because they've got to be at the office at eight o'clock and they've got to leave at five o'clock and, and therefore they don't have that opportunity. So essentially to an extent they, they become robots and they become disconnected. But in this world, in this day and age, as we're talking now, which is a huge change over 18 months, suddenly people now feel that that's how they can do it. And they can, you know, they're not, the husband and wife is not rowing about who's taking the child to school that morning. And they're not rowing about, I'm going to get told off more than you are for not being at work. And 
the world has changed and I think we've we've got to embrace it um, and everybody's got to embrace it and and you'll find that not only is it better for people and their mental health and everything else people are becoming happier and more content absolutely and it's got to be good I know and I'm, you know what we talk about disruptors and thank goodness this has come along because you know I have been talking you know as a as a keynote speaker for about 10 years mm. now and I always get you know work-life balance questions how do you you know and I've always said until the men want it you know as much as the women until yeah. they well what's happened is it's been forced on us as families you know that yeah. we have been balancing it we've been taking equal part in who's looking after the children who's not you know mm. and actually because it was forced upon us actually what we have found is that People now do want it. They don't want to go back to nine to five, you know, no, or, or no. seven till ten, you know, in an office, you know, commuting. Yeah. What a waste of life sitting on a train commuting. It's just crazy. Or driving for or three driving. hours up to Manchester. Yes, like, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely madness. So I think it's really yeah. exciting. And as you know, through disruption comes change. And that's what we're actually mm. seeing now. Yeah. And again, I think you sit and you listen to, it's like COP26 going on. Um, you know, in, in Scotland as it did and, and you've got all this debate and yet you're saying, look, we're sitting here talking about 2040, 2050, 2060 and, and the Chinese saying 27 or India saying 2070 and the man upstairs says, let me show you how to do it in 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but what none of us did, well, okay, that's not fair to say none of us, but then suddenly um, we've been shown the way, we've been shown an opportunity, we've been given a lift up and all we had to do is maintain momentum. But what have we done? We've fallen back into where we feel comfortable. Yeah. Um, and therefore, it's going to become another big struggle. It's going to become a, a, a fact of pushing water back uphill again. Yeah. Um, and those that actually grasp it and, and use it as momentum are the ones that are going to uh, really make a difference. And, and yeah, and hopefully we're, we're one of those organisations. And lots, luckily, lots of my colleagues' organisations are doing the same. But... Yeah, why would you let somebody drive up and down the country for twenty, you know, for a twenty-minute meeting? It's just ridiculous. It is, um, especially it is. when we've got the technology you've got now. Yeah, great. Anyway, Mandy, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Thinking back on your career and the challenges you faced, and some of the stories you've you've told today, and the people you've met, and even through your your keynote career and the people you've met, if you had to name one thing out of all the things that, that this may be true on, but you can only think of one, or you only want to say one. What would you say you were most grateful for? Ooh, most grateful. A loving family. Absolutely, hands down. Um, you know, a partner that has been there through thick or thin. You know, I talk about having a, a, a trusted wingman and my husband is mine. And, yeah. you know, he has been my lifesaver. He's encouraged me, he's pushed me. Um, and it's a real partnership. And yeah. I think that's been, you know, without doubt for myself, probably one of the most important things over my last few years. Brilliant. Great answer. And then finally, reflecting on your career and your life and your experiences, what one message, what single message would you like to pass on to the audience of this podcast based upon your life experience? Don't be fearful of failing. Um, so, and I'm going to share a story that you've heard before, Jeff, but very, very quickly was I was flying with a young girl who was an air cadet. So she's about 14 to 15 years old and we were taking her up for an air experience flight. I was a volunteer reservist in the Royal Air Force at the time. And I flew this girl. She was the most talented pilot in a raw state I've ever flown with. And when we landed, she'd shown me very little interest throughout the flight. And when we landed, I sort of said, you know, wow, you're, you're really impressive. And she said, oh, I'll bet you said that to everyone. And she was sort of quite dismissive. <laughs> and I said, I've never said it to anyone. You know, you really are very, very talented. And she said, 
you're joking. I said, no. And she, she said, I really can't believe you said that. It's all I've ever wanted to do, but I was so scared I was going to fail. I decided not to try and not to show you I was interested. And I think so often we do that. We back away from challenges and things because we think, what happens if? What happens if I give it 100% and then I'm no good? You know, mm. it's much easier to think, well, I won't really try because I can always blame it on that in the back of my mind. And as I pointed out to her, you know, you can't live your life like that. Um, you know, Sheryl Sandberg talks about leaning in in her book. And it's so true. Leaning into opportunities, grasping things with both hands and not actually thinking if I could give someone a superpower, it would be don't be fearful of failure. Because you yeah. know what? The only regret you'll ever have is the one that you didn't actually take that opportunity. Yeah. And I think one of the, the famous sayings I love from Nelson Mandela is I never, ever lose. I only win or learn. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, well, I like that. Mm. I'll use that, Jeff. Well done. <laughs> Write that down. Quote, unquote. Yeah. Again, I think that's you know, what I say to my team. And again, I've had to learn this. You know, you learn from people around you, but um, falling over or failing is inevitable. No one will ever avoid it. You are measured by the way in which you get back up again. Yeah. You know, that is the measure of the person and the measure of the resilience. But if anyone thinks they can get through life without failing, then they've got some big shocks coming. They have. And, um, and, and you must embrace it. But, uh, but anyway, listen, Mandy, that's been absolutely fantastic. Love the stories, as always. Love listening to you speak and watching you captivate the audience. But um, thank you so much for sharing your incredible stories. It's been an absolute pleasure again. Thanks for joining me on my podcast, Doing the Opposite, Business Disruptors. I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Wish you the best for the future and uh, don't be a stranger. Thanks so much, Jeff. Great to join you as always.